Welcome to the Pursuit Table Talk podcast with Pastor Russell Johnson. On this episode, we have with us a special guest, Jay Martin Jr., a television host from PBS. They will be talking through topics of Christians in media and spirit-filled environments. Let's listen in. Yeah, well, I think, you know, uh, why we developed the Table Talk uh, series is to take the level of communication a layer deeper, a little more intimate midweek than we're able to do on a Sunday morning. As you know, being a part of the church, you know, Sunday morning between 8 a.m. and and 1 p.m., we got about 2,500 people coming in and out of the building. Yeah. And we got even more folks watching online. And and our services, we run about 60 minutes with a 15-minute break in between. And so, you know, by the time that you grab something to drink, go to the bathroom, you're back on stage. And, uh, and so it doesn't always give you, it's not always the best medium to go, what I would say, a layer deeper into the level of narrative or conversation that I think a lot of times is appealing to people who are a part of your church community. They really want to know, Hey, who are you? How did you get here? What do you do? What do you like when you're not on stage? What do you believe? What, what are the values that you hold so dear that have shaped the organization up until this point? And so I think for us, we developed the table talk series out of a need to be able to host conversations that helped answer some of these questions in a more intimate format with extended time that is not always afforded to us on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I think it is so important that we do, like you just said, you provide a space right. to be able to go deeper. You know, a lot of times, like you said, if you only have so much time, you know, you only get a snapshot right. of everything. And so it's so good to be able to just dive more into the conversation. Right. And so I'm excited about this conversation with Let's you. Let's go. And I think something <laughs> that that is similar about both you and I is that if we were to really reduce our job titles to their Mm -hmm. most basic explanation, both you and I in different spheres are professional storytellers. Right, right. That's what we do. We we, we create room Mm -hmm. for the narrative of our lives and in in my context, the narrative of scripture Mm -hmm. to be communicated in a way by which people can apply those principles to their life and encounter transformation. But at the end of the day, hosting uh, life-giving conversation, I think, is something that is so often missing from the busyness of our culture in the West. Because yeah. what people have gotten used to is hot takes on social media. Mm-hmm. And there's a place for that. I get it. If you're tweeting, you only got 240 characters. <laughs> I get it. You, you can't you can't have a monologue. But 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 our, our culture has lost the ability for dialogue. Yes. And so what people want to hear is not your opinion. Right. It is their opinion coming out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. That's what people want. Yes. And so we've created such this hostile culture where the art of dialogue has been cast on 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 the side of the road. Yeah. And we just got folks yelling at each other from different political parties and different perspectives and different rungs on the socioeconomic ladder. And everybody is so convinced of their own truth and their own story. And I just feel like one of the best ways that we can bring people together is by hosting conversations, yep. even with folks who are different than you, and just helping understand and ex- explain, like the scripture says, that says, come let us reason together. Yes. Hey, yeah. c- come let us conversate together. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's engage in life-giving dialogue. Let me hear your heart. Let me understand your family system. Let me understand your perspective. And in doing so, I hope that you can understand mine. Now, we might leave this place and still not agree on all of the issues, but I know something new and different about your life that gives me the opportunity to sympathize with your story in a way that previously I wasn't able to do. Right. And so in the midst of our hot take culture, it's like, yo, let's take a minute, mm-hmm. hit pause, let's have conversation because we understand that there is 
there is this picture of who we are that's manifested or demonstrated in online worlds, in online formats. And then there's the real version of, of who we are. And so I just love the conversation of like how we got where we got, how our values have shaped, you know, the momentum of the organization and, and then really giving people what I would say is insider access to how we think, how we operate, because at the end of the day, the reality is, is even with people who you feel like you are opposed to, I bet if you actually had a conversation, you would find you agree with a lot more a lot than you more. actually disagree on. We're yes. actually a lot more similar yes. than we think. And that's what's scary. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned online and, you know, social media. And I, when I think of somebody like you, you're bold. You're very bold. And a lot of people, I will say, in today's world, they have become more, uh, it's almost like smokescreen, where they don't really want to give the full truth. They just give partial. So for you, let's talk about like social media. Right. where you come to, when it comes to that kind of a space, why are you so outspoken? Yeah. You know, uh, for me, everything changed for us about two and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. The the world like overnight went into pandemic mode. Yeah. Everything was shut down. You couldn't get an Uber. You couldn't go to the mall. Nothing. You couldn't, you couldn't (laughs) go to a restaurant. I mean, just like overnight, our way of living was challenged by this, you know, disease that we were all dealing with in in different ways. So it became really apparent to us really, really quickly that unless we learned to engage intelligently with the digital space, Mm. not only would we lose our audience, but we would harm our own ability to tell the gospel's story. Mm. And so our team, to their credit, developed really quickly the ability to broadcast online. And during the shutdown, when everybody shut down, we were broadcasting for a few weeks exclusively online, and then we reopened our doors. But we learned in that, you know, period of time how important and valuable the online space is to those who will use it well. And I think about the online world like I think about money. It's morally neutral, meaning this, it takes on the morality of the user. Yeah. And it seems to me that oftentimes, uh, you know, us in the, 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 the religious world, we find ourselves opposed to whatever is new, yeah. fearing that sometimes those things carry with them morals or values that are antithetical to those in which we believe. But for me, I'm like, no, this is actually an opportunity for us to engage with the tools around us in a redemptive fashion. Right, right. And, and I think that the online space and especially social, social media is probably the actual, actually the most profound technological advancement since the Gutenberg Press. Mm. Since the ability to take books and mass produce them, we live in the information age. Yeah. And I like to tell people we are, dr- we, we, we are drowning in information and we are starving for revelation. Mm. And so what I want to do is I want to use the online space, not just to be a repeater or a parrot or an echo chamber of whatever culture is saying, but we're using the online space to say, hey, here is what scripture says about fill in the blank. Here is what God thinks about so-and-so issue. Mm-hmm. Here's the way that the church ought to respond to the political or social moment that we find ourselves in. And what we found is people, not just from around the nation, but literally around the world are now engaging with the media that we're putting out on these different platforms, because what they're saying is finally, I'm finding somebody who is giving language to what I have deeply felt for such a long time. And that's what we do as storytellers. We give people language to deeply felt emotions and needs that they previously have not been able to express. Do you feel like now with social media really taking off or with church and stuff like that, do you think it has really caused a, um, 
almost not, not a wedge is what I'm looking for, but where there's been a separation right. between people that are telling full truth and people that have just told parcel, partial <laughs> right, truth. Right, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think with the social media space, uh, I like to say this, the online experience as it pertains to church, mm-hmm. it is a great supplement and it is a terrible substitute. Okay. And so I like to look at social media, online campus, live streaming as what we use to season the regular corporate physical gathering of mm-hmm. God's people for the express purpose of glorifying him. Mm. And I think the danger in our society, not just as it pertains to religion, but just about nearly everything is when we take supplements and we make them substitutes. We are on a quick path towards dangerous and unsteady ground. And so I love the online space. We got folks who connect with us literally from all across the world. But but my feedback to them on a regular basis is you ought to find yourself rooted and planted in a physical corporate gathering of God's people somewhere at some point on a regular weekly basis. Because I think it's important and intuitive for your spiritual development. And God knows us better than we know us. He knows what we need. In the creation story, there's only one thing that's not good and it is for man to be alone. alone. Mm -hmm. And so over the last two and a half years, governments have shut down the world. People have been alone and we are worse off for it. You should see the rates of suicide, addiction, abuse, anxiety. It is off the charts compared to where we were three or four years ago. It's proof positive that God knows what he's talking about. It is not good Mm -hmm. for man to be alone. And so the church provides this social space for people to gather in a corporate fashion and in doing so, first minister to God and then in turn have him minister to them. And so for me, it has been the great value of the church. I I love the social media space. I love what it has given the church access to do. My concern is that some leaders are now using it as a supplement, excuse Mm. me, as a substitute. And they're saying, hey, this is actually, this is actually the new wave and this is actually what it is. And, and, you know, people, they'll just engage forever via an iPad or a computer screen, but but eventually that is weighed and it is found wanting. And, you know, with social media, uh, you can pretend to be anything you want to anybody you want (laughs) and be liked by people you never have to interact with. Mm And to be liked by people you never have to interact with is one of the most damaging things to a person's interior that mm. could ever exist. Mm. When you're in community, yeah. hey, you can check me. Yes. You can call me out. Yes. I can call you out. Hey, where you been? Yeah. Hey, why you treating me like that? Hey, this, that, and the third. Hey, why you seemed off the other day. I was trying to talk with you. You said you'd call me back. You yeah. never did. Mm-hmm. What it creates is organic, real relationship with metrics of accountability built into it. Therefore, I can be my brother's keeper and iron can sharpen iron. Because when you off on the left, I can call you. When I'm off on the left, you can call me. And together we can grow better and stronger. But when we become addicted to the likes, the comments, the shares, and the saves, what we are doing is we're building fan bases of people that ultimately are not connected to us in community. So they only literally exist to satiate our ego. Wow. And I just go, yo, like... I, I want to use social media. We got yeah. a large following on social media. Mm-hmm. We could do that, but that is not where my value system comes no. from. And that's not where my community comes from Mm-mm. Mm-mm. because on social media, you can pretend to be anything that you want. I tell people this being famous on social media is like being rich in monopoly. Right. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. And it doesn't yeah. count for anything. No. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you can't monetize digital spaces. We got a lot of people in our world who do that really well, but here's my goal in life. Here's what I want. Here's what I want at the end of my life. I want to be loved most by mm-hmm. people who knew me best. Wow. Yeah. 
And my fear is that we're discipling an entire generation to be loved most by people who don't even know them 1%. And what we are saying is that is success. Mm. And to me, that's scary. Yeah, I think it's so interesting when you talk about gathering. And for me, I was just having a conversation with somebody and I said, you know, if it was written in the Bible, it's something that we need to listen and pay attention to. So there's a reason why it says don't forsake the gathering of those coming together. And so there's something about people coming together there's an experience that happens there's a feeling that right. comes comes on you that you don't get necessarily from just watching something from afar right and so when I think about an encounter for people what are you hoping for people to experience you know for those that cannot come together but what are you hoping they would experience on a Sunday by watching online yeah you know for me what I hope is that the culture of our house transcends the digital medium mm. impacts them in such a way that it draws them number one one, closer unto God, but number two, closer into kingdom relationships with other people who ultimately will help develop them into their destiny. Yes. And yeah. so, you know, you hear this all the time when I'm preaching on Sunday, when I'm preaching on Daystar, when I'm communicating to folks, my appeal to them is get plugged in somewhere. You know, the pursuit is not a church for everybody. Mm-hmm. It is a church for anybody. Mm. Anybody can come. Yes. You can be left. You can be right. You can be up. You can be down. You can be one day in your faith, or you can be somebody who is a critic. You can be welcomed into our church and receive ministry by virtue of the presence of God. But I know at the end of the day, there's a reason why we have 6,000 churches in Washington state, Mm -hmm. because we are not the church for everybody. Different people are going to be attracted to different models, Mm -hmm. to different gatherings, to different communicators, to different organizational values. And I want to make room for that. You know, when people uh, attend our church for a season and leave, I try to really guard my heart from being bitter, Mm. angry, from being retributional. I tell them, listen, if we were able to serve you in a season and help you draw closer to Jesus, let's celebrate the win. But at the end of the day, you're not my person, you're God's person. And so wherever God leads you, I'm going to let him lead you because you're going to give account to him for that. Because here's the reality, the tighter you try to hold on to people, the more likely you are to lose them. Yes. And what I found is that the things that I'll hold with an open hand, God will trust me with more of. Yes, yes. And so for me, I just go, hey, listen, I want to play an important part in people's spiritual life for however long the Lord lends them to me. Mm. If that's six years or 60 years, I just want to be a faithful under shepherd right. to help them in that experience. And so I know that we've got folks there in different states. They love watching pursuit. My hope for them is that we function as a supplement to an already thriving spiritual mm. life filled with kingdom relationships by which they are sharpened and developed into the person that God knows that they can be. And I think one of the things we've been able to do with our digital team is to take the experience in the room and make it real to folks who are sitting watching in their living rooms. All the time people are texting in, they're messaging in, they're DMing, they're saying, hey, while pastor was preaching, I got healed. I got convicted. I kneeled in front of my TV. I gave my life to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Something triggered in my heart. I chose to forgive somebody. We're, We're getting testimonies like that every week. And so what I'm learning is that it's working because 
because the glory and the presence of God knows no boundaries. Right. And so right. the whole earth is filled with the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so we just want to create opportunities, what I call avenues of agreement. You know, Jesus says something interesting. He says, where two or three gather agreeing on anything, they can consider it done. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's the power of coming into agreement with other people who are going in the same direction as you. Spiritual principalities and powers, they travel on the super freeway of agreement. Yeah. What you agree with in your spirit, you will manifest through your life. And so we want to gather people to agree with what God has always desired to do in the region and in them as an individual. And then in doing so, encourage them to live a victorious life until we gather again. Yeah. For so many people, church is the one time a week they come up for air. They got victory on Sunday, but all they do is lose Monday through Saturday Mm -hmm. because all they've learned to do is depend on somebody else's relationship with God to give them access to something that they aren't willing to steward throughout the week. And so for my my heart as a leader and as a pastor is I go, look, I want to encourage you on your journey. But by the time that we gather again, let's celebrate the victories that you have had in your spiritual life because you have a genuine connection with God. And I am just a steward that helps continue to push you in the direction you should go that you would never depart from it. Wow. And so for me, I look at this as like a sacred privilege that we hold in tension. Mm. And that's why I tell people, listen, we, we started streaming our pursuit nights where yes. our community group nights, we stream on Sunday morning. So we started to use the digital space more than we've ever done before. But if I were to be honest, it was a challenge to get there because I was concerned that people would choose comfort and convenience over over the inconvenience of real community and in doing so develop an even more transactional consumeristic relationship with God. And so for me, it even took, I think, a shift in my values to even offer these things online. But the reason why we do that is because we think we have enough of a compelling message that drives people back to community mm-hmm. instead of just telling them, well, it's okay, just sit on your couch for the next 40 years and we'll call that Christianity. Right. But I also think, too, that people, I think with the pandemic, before the pandemic, people were just going to places just to go. Yep, yep. And I feel like people are wanting to feel something again. Right. I know for my own personal experience, I was doing life, going to church and yep. living and, you know, kind of existing within the community. But for the first time in a long time, I felt something and there's been like an echo amongst people, you know, from coming to pursue or being a part of it is like, I feel something, something is changing, which we know, of course, knowing that the Holy Spirit does that. And so, and I know we talk about the Holy Spirit, but do you feel like the church has done a disservice by not um, incorporating all the gifts in the church? Yeah, I think absolutely. You know, our mission statement for the church is that the pursuit exists to glorify Jesus and in doing so, bring people into an encounter with his presence. So Jesus says it this way in the book of John. He says, if I be lifted up, mm. I will draw all people into myself. Yeah. And so the goal of the church is to lift Jesus up. And in doing so, he does the heavy lifting. He mm-hmm. is the one who builds the church. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. Unless the Lord watches the city, the watchmen watch in vain. But yeah. when the Lord builds and the Lord watches, the construction is solid and it stands the test of time. And you know better than most, we've had such a shifting spiritual landscape in the Northwest yes. over the last 10 or 20 yes. years. Mm-hmm. Folks who have been really institutions in the area, mm-hmm. just for whatever reasons, different seasons of life, they're no longer here. But what it has created is a spiritual vacuum. And people are asking the question, when am I going to encounter that God again? The one that I felt when I used to walk into yes. that church right, and I couldn't right, even right. explain it, but tears came to my eyes. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even explain it, but I wanted to jump and dance and worship. I couldn't explain it, but 
but something encouraged and inspired me while that pastor communicated. We got people who are looking for living water again. Mm. And so for me, I just go, listen, the way that we draw people is the way that we keep people. Yeah. And so we've got to be really intentional about the way that we draw. If we draw them via the presence of God, we have connected ourselves to a fount that never runs dry. Mm -hmm. If we draw them via the personality, charisma, or particular gifting of an individual, the church is only as good as that individual is strong. Mm. And we know where that leads. People are not perfect. They've got their own issues. A righteous man falls seven times. You've got a lot of people who have built relationships with personalities on stage. And as soon as that personality disappears, a faith crisis ensues. And so my question is, who are we most building relationship with? To me, Sunday morning is a great opportunity in a corporate gathering to build a relationship and a reliance on God's presence to do its best work first in your life and then through your life. And I'm just convinced that one of the things that we owe the next generation is an encounter with a living God. And so I want people to come in and I want them to be convicted by the teaching of the word. I want them to be inspired by worship. Uh, I I want them to be transformed by life-giving kingdom relationships. Uh, But one of the things that I also really value are these intangibles that we're talking about. When you walk into a room, what do you feel? Because that best describes your culture. Yes. Nobody has to tell you the culture of Walmart is cheap. When you walk in, you know it because you feel it. (laughs) Right. Nobody has to tell you the culture of Nordstrom is high end. When you walk in, you you feel feel it. it. When you walk into Gucci, you feel it. Nobody has to tell you they're high end designer. You feel it because they have created an environment that speaks to their values. Mm. And I want pursuit to be a place of a tailored environment that speaks to the values of the house. When you walk into this place, you know, the church was not built for you. It was built for him. When you walk into this house, you know that most of all the church values, the presence and the power of a holy God who desires to dwell with his his people. At the end of the day, you know that this is a place that is uncompromising as it pertains to biblical truth, but also unwavering in our love for people on every part of their spiritual journey. When people walk into the room, I don't want them to have to read a mission statement on a right, wall to figure out right. who we are. Mm-hmm. I want them to sense it because it is so thick and present in the atmosphere that we tend to and help create. And so for me, I go not only being a chief storyteller, but a setter of environments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I want people to walk walk in and sense, wow, the presence of God is here. And you know, we have that feedback all the time, right? People walk in, they go, dude, somebody was telling me about pursuit for six, seven months. I finally walked in. I just walked into the foyer. Service ain't even started. (laughs) Preaching ain't even started. Ministry ain't even started. Ain't nobody even touched me, prayed for me, nothing. As soon as I walked in, I started weeping. I knew I was home. How do you create that feeling outside of a house that exists to host the presence of God? Well, and I even said something. One of the things that I felt like I lost was my feeling of expectation. Yeah. Until I came here. Wow. And for years, I just stopped expecting something. Wow, 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 wow. And so I think it is so important that when you walk into an atmosphere, it kind of like shifts something on the Mm -hmm. inside of you. And that's what this place has done. And so all of a sudden you start expecting like God could do something at any time through anybody. I just need to be in the room. Right. And so I feel like that is what's happening is like you have to be in an atmosphere that causes you to believe that miracle signs and wonders can take place. Right. Um, But the churches started to operate like I've said before, it almost feels more like a coffin right, than right. it feeling like something that can, is supposed to be alive because Jesus is alive, right? right? right, right and right. so, you know, there's this feeling of now there's a change that has taken place in people by having an encounter with right. this type of church. And I love the historicity of Christendom in general, but I think one of the great disservices 
that even folks in the academic world have done to the church, and more mm. importantly, the Word of God, is that they have viewed it primarily through an antiquated lens. Mm. And so we approach church like somebody would approach a museum. Mm-hmm. It holds artifacts right. of what God did yesteryear. Mm. It, it, it's, it's become a museum to things that have happened in the past, or even the way sermons are preached. They become museums to what God used to do. Right? Isn't it crazy all of those things God did in the Bible? <laughs> but here we are today in the year of our Lord, 2022. So mm-hmm. let's sing a non-inspired song, hear a non-inspired message, and go home the same. And for me, I want people to know, no, the God of Elijah still answers by fire. Yes. This God is still mighty to save, mighty to heal, mighty to deliver. This is the one that we serve. There is no mountain that still doesn't melt like wax in his presence. No, this is the reality of worshiping an alive and powerful God. And so is there historicity? Yes. Uh, Is there great institutions uh, of the past that have helped us understand how to rightfully divide the word of truth and in doing so be workmen worthy of our hire? Absolutely. I love the history of church movements, the history of denominationalism. I love the book of Acts as it shows us the birthing of the New Testament church. But when I read scripture, I am inspired with this succinct reality that what I read about in the pages of this book serves as the foundation for the type of Christian life that I should enjoy now. Mm. I am not just reading it in a reflective sense. I am not just reading it through the review mirror of my spiritual life. I am reading this as basic instructions from God on how believers ought to operate in the world around them. And so I don't say, well, thank God for healings in the New Testament. (laughs) No, where are the healings now? Right. Well, thank God for the supernatural experiences back then. No, but where are they now? Now, I am thankful for what God has done, but unless God gives us a story of our own, the next generation is lost. We are never more than one generation away Mm -hmm. from bondage and hard-heartedness. And that is the principle of the Hebrew children illustrated through the Pentateuch. You are never more than one generation away from forgetting the God that you serve. In fact, it says of Joseph that after he died, there was a new Pharaoh put in place who knew not Joseph nor his sons. He didn't know the story. He didn't know of where he came from. He didn't remember the goodness and the faithfulness of, of the Hebrew God that sustained the Egyptian nation during times of turmoil and famine and war. And so I want our young people raised in environments where when we look back, we look back to give gratitude to a God who is still interested in doing those things yet in a new way in our modern context. Because that's the way that I think the next generation is empowered to live for Christ. Look what he did for mom and dad. And guess what? He going to do it, but in greater Mm -hmm. fashion for you. This is not just thank God for the revival of yesteryear. This is, that is a foundation for you to stand on that you would run further, reach further, that you would excel more than we have ever had, and that you would see things that we only ever dreamed about. And so to me, that's how revival actually becomes a cascading inheritance for the next generation. It grows in power and momentum and boldness, and 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 it, it grows in its, its, its kind of a vivacious nature as mm. we hand it off to the next generation. Look at how good God has been. Wow. Look at all the things that he has done in our generation. Yeah. Praise God. The one who is faithful to a thousand generations, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who is now faithful to those who will come after him. And so, you know, if you could fast forward 30 years, what I, what I, what I want to see built here in the Northwest is a legacy network of presence-driven churches mm. that are as on fire for God 
at their 30th birthday as right. they were on their first birthday. Wow. And in doing so, be able to hand off a legacy of revival to the next generation. So instead of them having to come to resurrect our whitewashed tombs filled with dead men's bones, they right. are simply being onboarded to a church that already has enough momentum, money, capital, and people to reach the nation for Christ. And so for me, I look at that and I go, that's how we win. Right. We build a multi-generational movement where revival cascades from grandmas and grandpas to moms and dads to sons and daughters. Wow. That's how we do it. And that's why we have to have long-term thinking and build something that is relevant to the next generation, but still reliant on the same spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost. Wow. And so I want to be reliant and I want to be relevant. Mm -hmm. I want to marry those two in an awakening, not just for me, but for my kids. You know, you mentioned before, and I, I love how you teach, and like I said, you're bold and you're, you, you just deal right with it. You've talked about how in today's world we need spirit-filled directors, right. producers, writers. And so where do you see, as far as the church, the role? And you've talked about social media and stuff like that, but right. I'm talking like television or media and stuff right. like that. Where do you see the church in that, kind of that world? I, I love this question because it's so important, and I think it strikes at one of the Gnostic beliefs that has crept its way into the mindset and thinking of believers today. Mm. And that Gnostic belief is the unbridgeable divide between the sacred and the secular. Right. And here's right. the reality. Your vocation is not an enemy of mission. It's an avenue of mission. Mm. And that's, that's why good. scripture says, that's whatever good. your hand finds to do, do it mm -hmm. as unto the, the Lord. Yeah. And I think sometimes, and, and you and I were both kind of raised in ministry environments. You know what it's like. It's either like <laughs> yes. you're in ministry or you're, or you're in rebellion. Yes, that's it. Yeah. There, there's no other category. No other option. Either you're in ministry or yeah. you're working for Babylon. Yeah. And it's like... Listen, I appreciate that there are, there are some people in our world who have calls and anointings for full-time vocational ministry. Yeah. The reality is, is the vast, 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 vast majority of Christians for the last 2,000 years of church history have not had full-time vocational calls right. into what we would consider traditional ministry roles. Mm -hmm. And the way that the glory of God fills the whole earth is that the people of God fill the whole earth right. because people are carriers of presence. Mm -hmm. And so when you are a spirit-filled police officer, when you are a spirit-filled news anchor, when you are a spirit-filled lawyer, doctor, when you are a spirit-filled stay-at-home mom, when you are spirit-filled day laborer, when you are a spirit-filled construction manager, what you are doing through the excellence of your work is releasing the presence of God mm. in a beneficial way into every sphere around you. Does that mean that you have to turn every job site into a pulpit to preach the four spiritual <laughs> laws? No, no, please don't no, do that. Don't do it. That's not what the apostles did. That's yeah. not what the witness of church history does, but God will give you opportunities in both simple, ordinary, and also broad scale ways to be a voice for truth and an avenue of presence in the mm. lives of people that you interact with. And so I know that on a Sunday morning, I'm communicating to 99% of people in the room who will never receive a paycheck from a church. They right. will never work in a full-time ministry role. And so unless my sermons can empower them to live an abundant life while they're a checker at Fred Meyer, then wow. I'm not doing my job well. Right, and right. so for me, I want to communicate in such a way that
that it causes people to live a life of intentionality, whether or not they ever work inside of a nonprofit ministry organization. You can be an intentional person at that supermarket. You can be an intentional person at that car lot. You can be an intentional person Mm. as a designer at that clothing store. You can be an intentional person who lives for the express purpose of the kingdom of God coming to earth. And the way that that is released through your vocation is by doing everything as unto God. And this is the story of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Right. He says, you're doing you're doing stuff with half the resource and you're 10 times better than my wisest men. Yeah, yeah. How do you operate in such wisdom? How do you operate in such insight? Where are you getting this revelation on governmental solution? Mm-hmm. I don't even understand it. Could it be that the Hebrew God is the true king of the universe and has empowered you for such a time as this? And so I look throughout scripture and you see carpenters, yes. politicians, Yes. Men, women, kids, all throughout scripture, God uses a cacophony of people, a litany of people from all sorts of different backgrounds, tribes, tongues, nations, and kindreds, and he weaves them together in his redemptive plan to see nations turn towards him. Mm. If all of a sudden every Christian got a one-way ticket out of their secular vocation and into the church world, it would do more harm to the mission of God than Satan has ever done in his entire existence. Wow. We need Christians to fill the earth, yeah. subdue the earth, yes. go into every sphere of society, right, raise right. godly families, mm-hmm. be a beneficial presence, have godly outcomes, uh, treat people in godly manners, mm-hmm. serve the people around you, work with excellence. And in doing so, see, we're not just building a church, we're building a city. Yeah. That's what it says of Abraham. He sought for himself a city whose architect was God. Mm-hmm. And we know that that is the city in the sky that one day that we are going to. It's a city that needs no light for Jesus is its light. But we are living as ambassadors of that reality here. And so what we are building here at The Pursuit is not just a church, but it's a city. We want to empower people in the business realm, in the family realm, in the political realm, in the healthcare realm, in the movies, art, and entertainment realm. We want to empower people to live with intentionality and in doing so, allow the light of Christ to shine through their vocation. And I think we do that through being intentional about the way that we communicate so that we don't raise another generation of Christians who divide themselves into two binary categories, have and have not. Mm. Do you have the call or do you not have the call? Right. Can you preach or can you not preach? Can you serve God in the worship ministry or do you have to work that secular job? No, the earth is the Lord and the fullness there within, which means there is not one environment you will ever walk in that Jesus is not already king. Right. Right. Which means that if any environment I walk in, he is already king, then the kingdom's mandate is upon my life to release his divine prerogative through my influence in that sphere. And you know this, not all of our listeners know this, but I spent 10 years in the political realm before yeah. I ever darkened the doors of full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. And I always thought to myself, how could God ever use me in this world that seems so far apart? But I would tell you all the time, God would give me prophetic insight, mm. pray for people, be able to encourage people, give voice to bib- biblical values, uh, give feedback on things that were happening in our state and in our nation. And I began to understand that God wasn't waiting for me to get into full-time ministry in order to change the world around me. Mm. He was waiting for me to change my mind about how it looked to serve him without a title. Because here's the reality. If you don't serve God without a title, you won't won't. serve him with one. Correct. Oh, I'm going to be a great witness and a pastor once I fill in the blank. No, you won't. (laughs) You a miserable Christian now, you'll be a miserable Miserable Christian Christian then. And so I think God is looking for people in this season. I mean, we don't need more full-time professional Christians. Mm -hmm. We just need full-time Christians. Just be a Christian wherever you go. Just be a full-time believer wherever you go. If you change oil at the Jiffy Loop for the next 30 years to the glory of God, you will enter into eternity and hear the words of the 
master. Well done, good and faithful servant, but do it with excellence as unto the Lord. That is our mandate. Well, I love, you know, even thinking about for myself, I think about David in the Bible and it said that he called on skillful people Mm. from all different backgrounds to build the temple. Right. So that speaks to what you're saying is like, you know, it takes all of us playing our role. We all can't just be in, in the church. Right. It takes all of us coming to build the kingdom of God. Right. So it takes all different people from different backgrounds to come together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And even the scripture talks about building the temple. The first ever recorded time in all of scripture where it talks about the spirit of God resting on on a person. Mm -hmm. It was resting on a skilled carpenter to help construct uh, the Ark of the Covenant. And so I think about that in our context going, the first time in all of scripture, the spirit of God rested upon somebody. It wasn't to prophesy, Mm -hmm. wasn't to preach, wasn't to heal. It was to build. Wow. And I just go, yo, if I'm, if I'm sitting in a church on Sunday morning and I'm working as a home builder in Snohomish County, I want to hear that type of message from that type of pastor on stage. I value what you do. Mm -hmm. I value who you are. My goal is not to try to recruit you to work at the church, but to empower you to be a gospel light and witness on whatever blueprint you're working on next. Mm. And I just go, man, if we can empower people with that type of mindset... Uh, I, I think we will really change the landscape of the nation that our children's children inherit. Yeah. Christians in every field working unto the glory of God. Mm. Okay. So now we're going to go humorous. Hey, now let's go. <laughs> what do you say to people that um, basically say, oh, you're trying to be IG famous. Yeah, you know, yeah, we have yeah. a lot of people out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we have celebrity pastors. We have people yeah, that sure. do things and they just, it's like a clickbait. Yeah. So what would you say to somebody that says, is, is Russ trying to just be IG famous. Yeah. I mean, uh, getting traction on social media is one of the worst things that will ever happen to your life Mm. Uh, because all of a sudden you get hit with the craziest messages, comments, DMs, all hours of the day from people who are not supportive of who you are or what you say. (laughs) So I think sometimes people have this idea, like if you get traction on social media, somebody's going to roll at the red carpet and just applaud all of your statements. No. And the reality is it's been the opposite. And so for me, I just go, listen, I'm going to allow the Lord to build this thing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to allow him to give increase to our voice and our influence. Here's what the Lord spoke to me. If you will guard your heart, I will grow your influence. But if you try to grow your influence and leave your heart unguarded, you will be worse for it once you arrive. And so I feel like my primary job just as a believer, as a pastor, as a leader, as a boss in this season is I'm going to guard my heart from the lust of the flesh, mm-hmm. the pride of life, yeah. the pride of the eyes, yeah. those things that try to come against you that the Apostle John talks about. I'm going to try to guard myself because I want to be the same person I was before I had traction and mm-hmm. after I had traction. Yeah. I'm the same person, the same communicator. It seems like different people are now resonating with our voice from this movement. Mm-hmm. I couldn't be more appreciative of that. All glory and grace and thanks. And, and power goes unto God. I, I'm just so appreciative every day that I get to play a small part in the story of what God is doing in the Northwest. But I think we live in a generation whose value system is upside down. Mm. The more that I can achieve in the social media space, the more it functions as a validation of my fractured identity. And here's the reality. Until your identity is settled by Christ, there are no amount of likes in the world that can heal your broken heart. That's None. That's so true. None. That's so and true. So, We got people in our world today spending money they don't have Mm -hmm. to buy things they don't need to impress people they don't like. Right. And why? 
because we are looking for our validation, our affirmation, and our identity to come from people who don't even know us and probably will never even meet us. Mm. But see, I was formed and fashioned in the image of an all-knowing God. Right, right. He knows every part of me. Mm. I am truly known, which is scary, and I am truly loved. Wow. which is securing. Yes. And so I just go for me, I've got to rest in that. Uh, John the Baptist, he says it like this. His disciples come to him. They're all rattled. They say, Jesus is baptizing more than you. Mm. And John the Baptist responds and he says, I am a friend of the bridegroom and my joy is fulfilled in hearing his voice. Wow. And I just go, when our life can communicate that message, what it what it says to those who are around us is that we are operating in a spiritual security that is not driven by the metrics of man, but is sealed and determined by the voice of the father. Because here's the reality. Somebody always going to do it better than you. Yeah. Somebody yeah. always going to do it yes. bigger than you. Right. So right. You, you're only one week away from irrelevancy. Exactly. You're only two bad things away from being canceled. Right. There's always going to be somebody else waiting in the wings to take your spot, to mm -hmm. say it better. You know, fame is here one day and it is gone the next. And unless you build your life off mm. of being a friend of the bridegroom, That's man, real. you will put your value in metrics that always fall short and leave you with a fractured heart. And one of the great disservices to the body of Christ is pastors who are broken trying to lead people who are broken. Yes, and yeah. instead of giving out of the wholeness that comes from Christ, they're giving out of the brokenness that comes from the world. Mm -hmm. And what we're creating is broken communities led by broken leaders wow. who are looking for the affirmation of a broken world. Yeah. And I just go, we can't afford to continue to make that mistake. Well, let's, you know, I know we're going to come to a close, but when I think of down the road, I always kind right. of project, I think of what, what would be said about me, Yeah. you know, 20, 30 years from now. What do you hope people say about you 20, 30 years from now? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like if, you know, somebody asked me this on a, on an Instagram Q and A the other day, they said, um, they said, how do you define success? Mm. And I literally responded. I said, ask me in 30 years. Yeah. I go, because it's really hard right now to look at a small, small window of history mm. and determine whether or not that counts for anything in eternity. Right. And so I feel like, dude, if, if we could fast forward 30 years and I could get to, I, I could get to, you know, I'm 36 now. So that'd be, that'd be 66. If I fast forward 30 years, if I can have kids and grandkids who love the Lord and love the local church, mm. if I can look back in my wake and see a litany of healthy churches that are all still going after the same thing and encounter with the living God, if people can say about me, uh, Hey, he never took himself too uh, seriously. He kept yeah. his head low. Yeah. He had a strong work ethic. He mm -hmm. didn't build the church to somehow reinforce, uh, you know, his own need for, 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 for compliments or, 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 or affirmation or platform, but man, he served the Lord and he served others. And, right. and, and here's the reality. Here's the great goal to me. I think of, of every, of every Christian leader is that, that they will die and be forgotten, but what they have done will echo into eternity. Yes. Cause here's the reality in 2000 years, nobody will be singing songs about me, but they will <laughs> still be singing songs about him. Right. Right. And so for me, I go, I want my actions to echo in eternity far after they ever remember the name of my church or the name of my ministry or the name of my family. I want what I laid down in the pursuit of God to be the thing that inspires the next generation to run further. You know, if anybody watching this, you, there's so much that was said. Everything that you said was so good and profound. And I think the people that will listen, they will be inspired 
to want to connect, to want to grow. And I hope it also dismantles uh, different mindsets of what right. they feel like the church. The church is still growing. The church yes. is still, God is still moving. And so thank you Appreciate for taking you. the time to share all of that based on the different things I talked about. So thank awesome. you. Thanks for joining us for Pursuit Table Talk. Make sure to follow us on all of our social media platforms at The Pursuit NW on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Also be sure to check us out online at thepursuitnw.com.